Hello, and thank you for joining us for the Hatchbend Apostolic Church web broadcast. In our society today, some, and yes, sadly, maybe even most, question the value of preaching in their lives. But we still believe what Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. In essence, Paul preached that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save them that believe. And so that's why we still place such a high value on the preached word of God in agreement to the scripture. And so now I'd like to thank you again for joining us for a message from the pulpit of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. Today we're going to do things just a little bit different. I just want us to pray over the word of the Lord and I want us to make a journey today um, and just ask the Lord to help us. Can we do that? I thank you today for being here. I thank you for the privilege, God, of giving me life and strength and breath. I thank you, Lord, for just allowing me to see the sunrise this morning. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to be here now at this hour of worship. And I pray that your anointing would just be upon my mind and my heart and my life. Lord, I know what I feel you have spoken to me. And I just need you now to help me convey, Lord, your word to this congregation. How we need you, Lord. Oh, how we need you, Lord. In the precious, great, wonderful, mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And you may be seated. Yesterday afternoon and last night and again this morning, I read and reread the story about the promise and the fulfillment of Isaac to Abraham and Sarah. This is a story that is literally filled with much drama, several highs and lows, a lot of good decisions mixed with a lot of bad decisions. In this story, we certainly see uh, enormous traces of humanity, both good and bad. Yesterday morning, I was praying and, and the Lord just gave me a thought. And that thought will be my sermon title and my sermon title will come much, much later in the service today. I'm not trying to just do this for drama or effect. But I feel like we need to make a journey and this is for certainly an adult Bible class. This is not going to be a brand new journey for many, if not most, but there are some here today who perhaps have never taken this particular journey or at least not as methodically as I plan to do that today. In order for us to get to the place that I, I feel like we need to be as a congregation for this service, then we need to go back in the story and just make the journey step by step. And um, I'm going to be reading far more scriptures than I normally do, but if you will follow along, I, I believe that we can glean something from the Lord. I want us to begin in Genesis 15, and then if you'll just hold your Bibles open uh, there, we're gonna just read a few scriptures in this chapter and then move uh, to different chapters, but all of them in Genesis and all of them in order, chronological order. And uh, I'm thankful that we have media and I, I'm thankful for people that help us and, and puts that on the screen, but please don't ever let that take the place of your Bible. And um, you, you need your Bible because you can't jump up and highlight something on the screen or we'd prefer you not. And... Uh, <laughs> And that's always a big job on Mondays, try to erase all of that all off of the screen. But underline, have a Bible you can write in or notes you can write on because I believe that as we journey, not just today, but anytime, the Spirit of God can prompt something and speak something specifically to us. And so it's always important to have a Bible and something to write with and something to write on. In the book of Genesis 15, we see the promise of the Lord come to a childless man and a barren woman. And so we're coming right out of the gate with not near impossibilities, 
are with not just close calls, are not with stuff that might just seem a little bit difficult on certain days. But we are talking about a promise to a childless man who is married to a barren woman. In Genesis 15 and 4, the Bible says, And behold, the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, This shall not be thine heir, but he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And this particular passage will make a little more sense, hopefully, later. And he brought him forth abroad and said, Look now, talk, this is the Lord speaking to Abraham. He brought him forth and he said, I want you to come with me because I need to show you something. A fatherless man married to a barren woman. Come here and let me show you something. He's referring, of course, in the first verse four to Ishmael. But he said, this is not going to be your heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be thine heir. And then he brought him forth abroad this old man. I'm trying to think of a better way to say that. But this old man, fatherless man, and said, I want you to come with me. How far that journey was, I have no idea. He may have just stepped out of the door. But no matter how far it was, he said, he brought him forth abroad and said, look now toward heaven and tell the stars. If thou be able to number them, and he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. Wow. Out of the middle of a lot of impossibilities, the Lord said to Abraham, I know that there's a child in your home now of your own design, but that is not your heir. That's not the heir of promise. I'm gonna give you an heir of promise from your own seed. So please, I, I mentioned this, don't forget who God is speaking to here in this particular passage of scripture. So in my opinion, I believe because we understand that this is a fatherless man married to a barren woman, that verse six should have that much more impact because the Bible says, and he, talking about Abraham, believed in the Lord and counted it to him for righteousness. <laughs> wow. This is a pretty big stretch. Now, I'm gonna pause right here and I realize that I've got an advantage over you today and I I can't really apologize for that. My advantage is that I've been thinking about this for two days now. And I have no idea what you walked out of just to get here and I'm wanting you to come out into the deep end with me, but just come on anyway, okay? And so he said, I want you to come and I wanna show you something. And so he, he's standing here, this man well into the years of his life and he said, look up and if you can count those stars, so shall your seed be, that's gonna be your promise. And then the Bible says that Abraham believed him and he just counted it to him for righteousness. Okay, Lord, if that's what you say, so be it. Now, let's come down off of our self-righteous perch and just slip our feet into Abraham's sandals here just a moment. And I think when we do, we can realize that this was a pretty tall order. This is one of the most powerful, powerful moments, in my opinion, at least in the earlier years of Abraham's walk with God. But then comes chapter 16. It's here that Sarah devised a plan that went against the prophetic word of God, and worse yet, Abraham went along with the plan. Verse number one of chapter 16, and Sarah, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian who was Hagar, and Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing, bearing, I pray thee, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai, despite this grand experience he had just had with the Lord, and despite 
this great exercise of faith that he had just exhibited. And so I want to go back to my opening comments. This is a story filled with human drama of excellent decisions and poor decisions and all of them being mixed together. But thankfully, as the Bible says in Jeremiah 18, when the Lord sent Jeremiah to the potter's house, he said, as I beheld the potter was rotting work in his hands, but it became marred in the hand of the potter. And so there's two things that must be considered. Certainly there was a mar in the vessel that was being worked on. That was the bad news. The good news was that the vessel was still in the hand of the one that could do something about it. Amen. And so here is Abraham making good decisions. Now Abraham making bad decisions, but thankfully he's still in the hands of a merciful God, a God that can do something about this. And so the Bible says, he hearkened to the voice of Sarai. Verse three, and Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abraham had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. Now, the time between the promise and the fulfillment had the same effect on Sarah that it has on us because sometimes God makes promises to us and then all of a sudden heaven just goes silent. And that warm and fuzzy feeling that we had that moment or that hour that God spoke something into our spirit that we knew was real. Now, I, I think sometimes that we think we hear from God and it'd be a great place to say amen when we later find out it may not have been God at all. But there have been times that I know the Lord spoke to me. I, I know the Lord gave me a promise. And then it just seemed like uh, for whatever reason that God just became silent. And so this time between the promise and the fulfillment of the promise attacked the faith of Sarah and certainly attacked the faith of Abram as well. And they both gave in to their flesh trying to bring God's promise into fruition in their own lives. And I wanna pause here many times today and just tell you that as we get to these points that there are a lot of cautions here for all of us. If we know the promise of God and God has given us something, we need to hold on to that with everything that we have. But we also need to have the good sense to say, Lord, we need to let this happen in your time and in your due season. And don't let me try to shoehorn this into my life because I think this is when it ought to happen. They both gave way. And so now, now because they had the means to do it, they said, we're gonna, we're gonna try to bring this promise about. So Sarai devised a plan for Abraham to have a child with one of her handmaids named Hagar. At this particular point, Abraham was 86 years old, or Abram at this time, was 86 years old when the, when the child from this union was born. And of course, many of you know his name was Ishmael. And so for the next 13 years, and with that is a fact that can't be lost to us, for the next 13 years, Abraham and Sarah walked in seeming silence. They have a child, and this child is not just handed them, and then a day or two later, something else unfolds in their life. But they have a child, and this child grows, and I have to think that it was a normal childhood, and that they had a normal father-mother-son relationship. And so they had a child in their home, a child that no doubt brought a lot of joy to their lives. They thought, you know, this is great. We've, we've devised a plan. This has all worked. And so they walked for 13 years. That means this child was 13 years old. Then we get to chapter 17. Chapter 17 and verse number one. And uh, by the way, we're not going to Revelation for those of you who are keeping score. But in Genesis 17 and one, and when Abram was 90, years old and nine. The Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. I'm glad that God will still speak to us even when we step out of his will. I'm glad God's mercy can bleed beyond my, my mistakes. I'm not, I'm not given a license to sin here today, but I am so thankful that if God had just annihilated me the first time that I, I went right when I should have turned left, I wouldn't be standing before you today, but frankly, you wouldn't be sitting before me today. I'm grateful for the mercy of God. And so 
now 13 years of silence. I don't know what must have went through Abraham's mind during all of this time, but at 99, the Lord just appeared. And he said, I want you to, I'm the almighty God, and I want you to walk before me and be thou perfect. What a tall order. And I will make my covenant between me and thee, and I will multiply thy seed exceeding. And Abraham, Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, as for me, behold, my covenant, this is important to remember, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. I am making a covenant, but I want you to understand something, Abraham, or Abram, my covenant is between me and you. And hear me today, and I hope that I don't get lost in this story and fail to come back to this, but let me tell you that God always keeps his promises. He said, as for me, I, my covenant is with thee, and, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. I mean, this has to be an overwhelming moment because the Bible says that God appeared before Abraham and told him this. And here is a common man. I know that we, we have Abraham way up here and rightfully so, but we've got to remember that these men were living their lives one day at a time, just like us. And so he said, I'm gonna make a great man out of you. I'm gonna, uh, there's gonna be seed from you and there's gonna be nations from you. And he said, there's gonna be kings that shall come from you. And God said to thy seed and to thy, and I will establish my covenant between me and thee, verse number seven, and thy seed after thee in their generations for an everlasting covenant to be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. Wow. 13 years, 13 years, and then God just shows up. And he said, this is what I'm gonna do, but I want you to remember something. The covenant is between me and you, me and you. The relationship is with me and you. It was later in this same chapter that God also changed Sarai's name to Sarah. God said that he would make her the mother of nations and kings of people shall be of her. And so essentially, she has the same promise, of course, because they are together in this. In the very next verse is where we find Abraham. You know, we always talk about Sarah laughing, but Abraham laughed first. It's amazing how we pick on the ladies, ain't it? <laughs> and so Abraham laughs. Abraham laughs at this promise, and I'm not sure it was hearty laugh as we may interpret that, and I'm not even sure that Sarah's laugh was quiet as we interpret it, but uh, how could this be? I mean, how could this be in, in happening in my life? But God is promising them something that is just so beyond what they can comprehend, and it's so far beyond where they really are in their own life. I mean, he's not talking to a 22-year-old and a 24-year-old. He, he is he's speaking to someone well up in their years and, and so they're having a hard time wrapping their mind around it. But at the same time, Abraham is, is saying, so be it, Lord, I'm gonna pull that into me and I'm gonna count that as righteousness. And I think that it is commendable that God can speak something to our lives and that we could just write it down and say that may seem so far removed from where I am right now, but God, if you said it, then I am going to believe you and I'm gonna build the rest of my life around this promise. God said he would make nations of her, kings of evil of her, and then Abraham laughs, and it's here that he reminds God, like God needs to be reminded, but he reminds God how old they are. He said, Lord, I'm 99, and Sarah is 90. It was also in this 17th chapter that God established circumcision as a covenant between God and man. And in this same chapter, Abraham desires that Ishmael would be blessed as well. 
and God promises that he would bless him. And so Abraham didn't just forget him and, and just call him out of that. He said, I want you to bless him as well. But God told him this, and I, I'm going back to my other point now. God told him that while he blessed Ishmael, he said, I want you to remember my covenant is with Isaac. I'll bless Ishmael, but my covenant is with Isaac. And that they would be blessed with this child in the following year. And so he said, it's all coming. You just hold on. You're closer now, Abraham, to, the, to this coming to fruition than you have ever been in your entire life. And so you just hold on. And now God stops talking to Abraham, but Abraham did institute the law of circumcision at that moment, at, that, at the end of that conversation. When heaven silenced, when God spoke his last word, then Abraham immediately called the men together and they began to circumcise them at that point in obedience to what God had set forth. It's also here that we're reminded that Abraham again, 99 years old, and that Ishmael is 13 years old. That's important, at least for the moment. Then when we come to the chapter that is so often mentioned, certainly by me, and that is chapter 18, this is where Abraham has this holy visitation as angels show up as he sat in the tent door, the Bible says, in the heat of the day. And he has this heavenly visitation I believe three angels of the Lord that came to be with him in that day. And Abraham, when he saw them, you gotta understand that this was not just some random act. All this stuff has been rolling and, and reeling in the mind of Abraham for all of this time. It's coming, Abraham. It's happening, Abraham. And don't you just think in his own human way that he, like you and I, would be looking around every corner and just waiting for any moment for this to come to pass. And so I don't think that Abraham was caught off guard when these angels showed up at his tent. I think that's why Abraham said, don't rush off. Don't be in a hurry to just pass by. But he said, I want you to go sit under the shade tree. I want you to wash your feet with some cool water. And when they were doing that, he ran to the field and got one of the hired hands and he said, kill the fatted calf. And he ran to the house and he said, Sarah, I want you to start kneading some bread and baking bread because today, something divine, there had to be something reeling in the spirit of Abraham. Today, Abraham, today, something is about to be born in your spirit. Something is about to happen. And so he said, I want you to just hold on. And that's why I say that I refer to this a lot in chapter 18 because I don't want us to just rush through a service. I'm not saying that we ought to have six or seven hours service, but we shouldn't rush through when the spirit of God is in our presence. Why? I, I, I'm not just here to get tingles. I'm not just here to get chills. I, I'm not just here to feel better for a moment, but I want us to abide and I don't, I, I don't want to, I don't want to be out of turn here. This is an adult class, but but we need to let the seed of the word of God. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me today? When the spirit of God is moving, let's don't be so in such a hurry to just chalk it up as a good shouting service, but let there be an abiding presence of the Lord. You know why? Because we need the seed of heaven to get in the womb of our spirit so that something can be born in us. Hallelujah. Church. Church, while I am a strong advocate that when we come to church, that we ought, and, and we talk about this in our meetings, that, that we ought to have something here that, that, that is palatable to the people. Amen, that when we come to church, we have no idea what people have been through just to get here. I'm honored and humbled that they even walk through the door, but when they leave, they ought to leave feeling better than they were when they got here. So let's give it our all. Let's hit the ground running. Let's give it everything we got, our very best foot forward. Amen, never have an attitude, it's just us. What difference does it make? It's not just us, and it makes all the difference in the world. While that is true, and while that is my feeling and my, and my heart, I would say this to you in addition, that we can't just come in and just try to have a service that makes us feel better and go home. There's something far more divine going on here than this service here and now. I say, Lord, let your abiding presence come in and let your anointing come in. Oh, let your anointing flow into this house. 
But I want to say, but in addition to that, abide here for a while because I want the seed of purpose. I want the seed of purpose to be dropped into the womb of my spirit. Why? Because I believe this service is far more than about April the 6th. I think this service is far more than about Sunday morning at 10 o'clock. I think God is wanting to put some seed in us so that something can be born in our future. Hallelujah. Oh, Lord. Let something be born in us today. Let something be planted in us today. Hallelujah. And so people say, well, I don't know what the big deal about going to church is. I don't know what the big deal about missing church is. I don't know why the preacher's always harping on that. Here's why. I'm talking about why right now. It's not about just showing up, getting a check mark by your name on the roster. It's not about a gold star by our name. It's about the possibility that when you're here, God can put some seed in your soul. It's about the possibility that while you're in the abiding presence of God Almighty, he can put something in you It'll take you well into your tomorrows. You know how these people kept living for God for decades? It's because they leaned in a long time ago and God put some stickability. God put some stay with it in their spirit. God put something in their heart and the storms come and the winds blow and the waves beat into the ship. But you know what? We just bail the water and keep on sailing. Why? Because God put something in the womb of the church a long time time ago. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, why don't we love him today? I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I really desire, God, for you to do something beyond this service today. Do something beyond this moment. Do something beyond here and now in our lives right now. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. So Abraham had the good sense to say, don't pass by, but abide. He must have looked like a madman running through the field. Kill the fatted calf. Sarah must have been wondering, what in the world got into Abe today? Stop what you're doing. I don't care what you're knitting. I don't care what you're working on. Start kneading bread. God is in the house. God is in the house. God is in the house. And here's the end result of his consciousness of the spirit and the presence of God. In Genesis 18 and 10, and he said, I will return unto thee. This is the spirit of God speaking to Abraham. According to the time of life, and lo, Sarah thy wife shall have a son. Now we've got a date. Now we've got a time frame. Before it was just a projected promise. But now he said, and he said according to the time of life, according to the incubation period. And so for humans that is around nine months. So he said, now you got something to work with. Now you can pick up your rock. Now you can pick up your stick and start scratching marks on the wall. Now, now, now you've got something to work with because in the time of life, and Sarah heard it in the tent door which was behind him. Now it is Sarah's turn to laugh within herself at the promise of the Lord. But I'm just gonna be fair and honest today. I think if there's any 90-year-old women here this morning, they would understand that situation completely. I know I don't think there's anybody here that's 90. I know we've got some that are close to 90, I say with great deference, but I, I, I know my Aunt Merle's about 86, am I right? Say that proud, amen, 86. And so she's glad to be here at church today, but she wouldn't want this kind of announcement. <laughs> I think Uncle Dan would rise up out of the chair when she got home with that kind of, that kind of announcement today. And so let's just... You know, we're just kind of keeping it real, right? And so, Sarah, it's her turn to laugh. I think I'd be laughing too, amen? My mother wasn't near, nearly 90 whenever she found out that I was coming along and she wasn't laughing from what I hear. <laughs> the, re- the, the remainder of Genesis 18 and 19 deal with Sodom and Gomorrah. And so as we fast forward now through chapter 20, things seem to be going fairly well. And then this leads us to chapter 21. 
And the Bible now says that the Lord visited Sarah, verse one, as he had said, and the Lord did unto Sarah as he had spoken. Guess what? He's a man of his word. For Sarah conceived and bare Abraham a son in his old age at the time of which God had spoken to him. And Abraham called the name of his son that was born unto him whom Sarah bare unto him Isaac. And Abraham circumcised his son Isaac being about eight days old as God had commanded him. And Abraham was a hundred years old when Isaac, his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me to laugh <laughs> so that all will hear, all that hear will laugh with me. God has made me to rejoice so that all that here are going to rejoice with me. God was a God of his word. He has kept his word. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham, who would have ever dreamed, who in their wildest imagination that Sarah had given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. Sarah is not laughing in a hideous way, but she is laughing in a rejoicing way. Who would have ever known that at this point in our lives, at this time in our lives, after all the promises and all the years of silence that God would indeed come through for I have borne him a son in his old age and now verse 8 says and the child grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast that same day that Isaac was weaned. What I have read to you today is this epic story of the birth and the beginning of one of the greatest miracles and promises within the word of God. But we cannot afford to forget something today that is very important. And that is what happened way while ago in chapter 16. I know we have read now to a moment of rejoicing. We have come through this story to a moment of ecstasy, a climax, if you please, of joy in the home of Abraham and Sarah. Who would have ever dreamed that at this point in our life that we would have this son of promise at our age? And it was in chapter 16, however, where we read about the very human carnal fleshly plan and the birth of Ishmael. We cannot forget that it was now, now we have two children growing up in this same house. And this, my friend, is where the trouble was about to begin. 13 plus years, because we have the 13 years of, of Ishmael being born and then the promise. And then we have the promise where the time frame was given, about the time of the season of life. So about nine months or so. So now we have a child that is, that is almost 14 years old if I'm doing my math correct. And so now we have about 14 years of just Abraham and Ishmael when it was time to go hunting when it was time to go fishing, when it was time to have fireside chats, when it was time for them to go on this trip or that trip, it was just their little happy home. But now, now there's a cry down the hallway. Now there's a cry coming from another room. There's something going on. Three more years because according to biblical history that uh, they talk about that, that Isaac being weaned, that was generally about the age of three according to this particular culture and time. And so Abraham had given, been given all of these years to develop a relationship with his son. In chapter 17, he says he was 13. Then the child said he's gonna be born next year. Again, somewhere around 14. Then chapter 21 says that Isaac was now weaned, which was about a three-year process. So now we have about a 17-year-old boy by the name of Ishmael in the house. Abraham had 17 years of relationship with a son. So yes, as the Bible talks about and uses the word grievous. This was a grievous season in his life. In verse 12 and 13, God comforted Abraham with the fact that he would make Ishmael a nation. He said, I will make him a nation. Now here's where I'm coming back to what I mentioned a moment ago. He said, I am gonna make Ishmael a nation, not for the sake of Ishmael, but I'm gonna make Ishmael a nation because of thee. Because remember, my covenant is between me and you. 
and you erred in judgment, but you know what? I'm still gonna keep my deal. I'm still, that doesn't mean there's not gonna be a law of the harvest that we're still reaping today, frankly. Amen, that's not, doesn't mean there's not gonna be a law of the harvest, but hear me. I am gonna keep my word, not because of Ishmael, but I am gonna honor you, Abraham, because you are a man after my heart. Amen, I want you to lean in, if you will, right here, because I'm coming to the meat of really what's been stirring in my spirit for some time. In Genesis 21 and 14, the Bible says, let me jump back here, there, there was problems in the house. And, and, and in Genesis 21, 14, in Genesis 21, 14, prior to this, the Bible says that, that Sarah, I hope I'm not getting ahead of myself, but Sarah looked about the time that he was weaned and she saw Ishmael making fun of Isaac. And she saw him making light, ever how you want to interpret that in your mind. But I'm going to tell you, it was enough for Sarah to draw a line in the sand. And she said, no more, no more. This is not going to happen. Amen, you're going to have to get that other child and his mother out of this house right now. It's got to end right now. Now, this was a grievous thing, as I mentioned a moment ago, because they had about 17 years together. So the Bible says in verse number 14 of 21, and Abraham rose up early in the morning and took bread and a bottle of water and he gave it unto Hagar, putting it on her shoulder and the child. It doesn't mean that he put the child on her shoulder, but he put the bread and water on her shoulder and the child. But this child again was a teenager and sent her away and she departed and wandered. Don't forget the word wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. This may sound like at first glance that Abraham wasn't doing justice here, but this was in line certainly with the custom of their day. He gave her bread and he gave her water. And then according to custom, he gave her, he would have directed her to the next well or to the next village. I don't want to appear that, that Abraham is not doing what he should have done. But he said, here's enough water and here's enough bread that you can make it to the next well. You go down here, you turn right. You go a few paces and you turn left. He did not count on the fact that she would wander in the wilderness. He did not count on the fact that apparently, according to most Bible scholars, she got lost in this journey. She got lost on the way. Somehow or another, she turned left when she should have turned right. She obviously got lost and most agree that that is the most likely thing that happened because that brings us to verse 15. The Bible says in verse 15, and the water, and the water was spent in the bottle. Amen, I drank my last drop. I, I know he said there was a well here somewhere, but I just can't seem to find it. He, he, he alluded to the fact that before now, I should have ran into some more travelers or more people or another village, another town. He said it. He said that somewhere along here that it would all come together. You'll be okay. Don't you think with me, would you just... Join me in, in thought for a, for a moment. Don't you just think Abraham's heart was broke. Here's a 17-year-old son. Here's a 17-year-old son, his own child that he's having to push out into the wilderness. And he has got to be, Brother Polk, in my mind, he has got to be ushering them to the last minute, to the last mile of the way. It's gonna be all right. It's gonna be all right. Everything's gonna be fine. Everything's gonna be fine. His heart is breaking within him. His soul is vexed and crushed within him. But then the scripture says, Abram knows nothing about this. He knows nothing about out after they make the last corner, the last bend out of sight, Abram has to turn around and go back to his other life and his wife and child. He has no idea what's about to unfold, but the Bible says now playing out in this huge drama in the life of Hagar and Ishmael that the water was spent in the bottle. And so Ishmael is obviously dying of thirst. The heat of the desert journey has taken its toll on him. I don't know if it was the metabolism of his teenage years that had just ex exerted more energy or no, no, don't know what the, the answer to that really may be, but the Bible says that she cast the child under one of the shrubs 
In verse 16, the Bible says, and she went and sat down over against him a good way off, as it were, a bow shot, or about a hundred yards, some say, that she may have gone and sat down. And she said, I just can't bear to see my son die. I just can't bear to, under, to, to, re, to realize what is unfolding in my life. Let me not see the death of the child. And she said over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. I know many of us could judge Hagar at this moment and point in time. Especially the mothers perhaps that are in this room. How could you leave your son to die all alone? But I would tell you that's not for us to decide. That is not for us to try to untangle here this morning. However, the scripture that I have been methodically trying to make my way to this morning is right here. That is Genesis 21 and 17. Here, if you will just freeze this in your mind, she has cast her 17-year-old son under a shade tree and she knows that he is about to draw his last breath. She said, I cannot bear to see him die. I'm gonna go over here and I'm gonna lean up against the rock and she cried with everything in her oh she cried with all that she had but in verse 17 the Bible says and God heard the voice of the lad amen and God heard the voice of the lad and the angel of God called unto Hagar out of heaven and said unto her what aileth thee Hagar fear not for God hath heard the voice of the lad where he is. Hallelujah. Again, let me remind you this morning, despite what visions we may have had or what Sunday school caricatures we may have in our mind, Ishmael was a teenager and not a child when this event taken, had taken place. And apparently Hagar had somehow forgotten that God had promised, I'm gonna make a nation out of that boy. Maybe somehow Hagar forgot that the Lord said, I'm gonna do this, Abraham, not for him, but I'm gonna do this for you and maybe somehow in the throes of it all maybe in the throes of everything she was going with through her life was so messed up and out of control she forgot the promise that God had made but I'm going to tell you that a dying boy laying in the, under a bush in the middle of a desert somewhere remembered amen, he remembered but wait a minute this is not how this is supposed to end but wait a minute I, I don't remember this unfolding this way it seemed like to me, to the best of my recollection, that dad told me that God was gonna make a nation of me. How is God gonna make a nation of me? I'm drawing my last breaths here. I never dreamed I would be on this journey. I never dreamed I would be here. And somehow Ishmael began to cry out to God and you're reading it on the screen. And God heard the voice of the lad. God heard Ishmael's cries and rescued them. If, my friend, if there was ever an innocent party, if there was ever an innocent party, you can have our Sunday school children come in if they need to. If ever there was an innocent party, amen, it would have been Ishmael. Musicians, you can start coming too. If there had ever been an innocent party, it would have been Ishmael. I mean, Ishmael, he got no vote in this matter. I realize that Hagar was also a bond servant, and so in some degree or to some manner of speaking, she had no vote as well because she was a common slave. But if we, if we look at the most innocent party. Here is Ishmael. He asked for none of this. Ishmael didn't ask for any of this. He had no idea. He had no idea when Abraham was holding him for the first time in his arms that he was born into all this confusion. He had no idea what was going to happen. He had no hint that there was a problem for 13 years. They had been camping. For 13 years they had been vacationing. For 13 years they had been father, son chatting around the fire. He had no idea of what was going on. Oh, hear me today. He was the innocent party. I realized that Hagar, as I said, was, the, was a bond woman, but here is the innocent party. Somehow, somehow, Ishmael prayed a prayer, a petition from under the bush that day because the scripture says, and thank you for leaving it there, that God heard the voice of the lad. Are you hearing me? And the Lord said, fear not, for God had heard the voice of the lad where he is. Amen. 
that he has found him. He's not lost to God. His meal is lost to himself. You are lost to yourself. You are wondering where in the world are you in this journey, but God has had his eye on you ever since you walked out. God saw all of this unfolding before it ever happened, and God heard the lad where he is. I've waited till right now to give you my message title today, and this is it. Amen, the cry of the innocent. I woke up yesterday morning, and this 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 was in my mind, my heart, the cry of the innocent, the cry of the innocent, the cry of the innocent. Here was Ishmael saying something that got the attention of heaven and God said, I am gonna turn all of this around and God heard the voice of the lad or the innocent. Now listen to what happens next. What aileth thee, Hagar? What aileth thee, Hagar? What do you mean, what aileth me? What do you mean, is this some kind of cruel joke? I just laid my son under a shrub. I laid him there to die and you're asking me, what is the matter? But he said, fear not, for God hath heard the voice of the child where he is. Now, I don't wanna take anything out of context here, but I would just like to draw a point if I can for the church. There may be times that we too feel like Hagar. And as Hagar was a mother, the church is likened to a mother many times through scripture. And there are times we wonder what are we gonna do? We wonder what our next move should be. We may even ask ourselves, is there anybody that still wants to serve God? Amen, it's, you can be honest right here. Amen, there's sometimes we think the whole world's going to hell in a handbasket and nobody's got their eye on Calvary and that nobody is ever thinking about serving God. They're having too much fun in the world. There are people that are just having too much fun doing what they're doing, but I'm gonna tell you, amen, in the storms that we face as a church, we cannot forget the promises that God has made to us. Hallelujah. And if God's... Oh, hallelujah. If God said something, then I'm gonna hold on to it. I know this reference. I know this reference will not appeal to everybody because you won't know exactly what I'm talking about, but some of you will. But I feel like a few years ago, Brother Kenneth Riley stood behind this very desk that I'm standing behind, and I believe it was a word of prophecy. I don't think he was just speaking to fill in time. I don't think it was fodder to take up a few more minutes in a service, but I believe that he said when he said, that we see the dust of those that are yet to come. Amen, we see the dust coming. Amen, there's some that are on their way. Amen, you think, well, how in the world could that be? I'm gonna tell you, there's some innocent people here today. They're caught up in sin. They're caught up in debauchery. They're caught up in where they are. And life and the world and sin has laid them under the bush to draw their last breath. But I believe somewhere there's a Sunday school story bowling up in their spirit that said, but wait a minute, wait a minute. The Bible said it don't have to end this way. Somewhere there's a promise. Somewhere there's hope. Somewhere there's somebody that can lead me to the answer. But let's stand. Let's stand and lift our hands to the Lord. Hear me, church. Hear me, church. There's something right now in the spirit that's trying to frustrate what God is wanting to do. I need us to pray. Amen. We need to pray right now. Amen. Don't let the enemy frustrate what God is wanting to do in the spirit right now. Don't stand to dismiss. Don't get your mind on dinner right now. Don't get your mind on what you're going to eat. Don't get your mind on what we're doing next. I'm telling you, there's some innocent people somewhere that are saying, but God, I didn't think it would have to end this way. Maybe they're laying in a drug alley. Maybe they're laying in a pool of their own vomit this morning after partying all night long. But something in their spirit, something in their heart is saying, I didn't think it had to end this way. Oh. I didn't think it had to end this way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I don't know. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord.
disconnect ourselves from responsibility. But oh God, help us to realize that you can hear the voice of the lad even where he is. He's under a bush. He's drawing his last breath. But God heard him where he was. God heard him where he was. This message has been brought to you today by the media ministry of Hatchbend Apostolic Church. We pray that it's ministered to you in some way, and we'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to join us in service here at Hatchbend Apostolic. Our Sunday services begin at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night service at 7.30 p.m. For any more information or to speak with our ministry staff, please feel free to call our church office at 386-935-2806 or you can visit the contact link here on our website. Again, thank you for listening, and we pray God's richest blessings on you and your family.